Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Do you feel like you're going through the motions in life, but not really living it? Do you long for more love, pleasure, and joy in your life? The Institute of Core Energetics offers webinars, workshops, and training programs designed to take you on a deep inner transformational journey that will help you develop more meaningful relationships with the people around you and embody the life you long to live. If you want real, lasting, and significant changes in your life, come join us for one of our free virtual community events. To register for the Money Summit and learn more about us, visit www.coreenergetics.org. Well, I am super excited today because I have with us Judith Gruber, who has many, many, many titles, but she's been studying the concept and implications of money in our lives for the past 35 years. She's a clinical and holistic psychotherapist, certified financial psychotherapist, social worker, certified core energetics practitioner, and certified exceptional marriage mentor. She developed and founded Money and Self-Empowerment Co. and facilitates webinars, groups, and classes throughout the U.S. and internationally. Her varied experience includes teaching at universities, corporations, addiction institutes, and holistic and therapeutic organizations. She's an education and training provider with the New York State Office of Alcoholism and Substance Abuse Services and the National Association of Social Workers. Judith integrates her rich background of training and experiences in clinical and holistic social work, financial social work, core energetics, pathwork studies, exceptional marriage mentoring, banking, leadership, and spirituality in her work. She believes that the journey of the soul is a healing process that restores energy and consciousness to the individual, which promotes creativity, self-expression, and personal integrity. Her passion for finance and the human spirit led her to create Create the Abundance and Prosperity Cards. It's a deck of 36 affirmations messages to help empower you create abundance and prosperity in every aspect of your life. She maintains a private practice in Connecticut and works with clients throughout the U.S. and internationally. When she's not working with clients or teaching, she loves spending time in nature, taking pictures, capturing moments in time, and having a passion for home design. And she and I will be co-facilitating the Money Summit for the Institute of Core Energetics at October 23rd through the 25th, which is going to be amazing. And so I'm super excited to have you here so we can talk a little bit about the summit and really talk about your beliefs, my beliefs around money and why we think this is important. Judith, welcome. Hi, thank you, Bob. I'm really excited to be here. It's my first podcast. Oh, this is awesome. (laughs) Yes. Well, so let me ask you this. Were you always good with money? Uh, I really didn't know anything about money until I was in the banking industry. Mm-hmm. And money was just always given to me because that's how I was taught that money is love, which is an image. And um, when I was a banker, I would help large corporations create uh, cash flow all over the country. And I really didn't understand my own relationship with money. Yeah. So I... Um, You know, I took that and when I left banking, uh, I wrote down every penny that I spent for six years so that I can look at my own patterns, 
I can see uh, where I place my values, where I didn't place my values. And it really got me into this whole thing with numbers and money and the human spirit. And it was like, it just feels like pleasure to me. It doesn't feel like work. That's so, awesome. <laughs> now, so did your parents... It. Did your parents talk to you about money when you were younger? Did they say, Judith, put money in the bank or Judith, here's an allowance? Like, what was your experience around money as a kid? Um, I didn't. The only thing was that uh, I felt like the bigger the present, the more I was loved. Yeah. Um, I wasn't taught about the value of money, except that I created my early image about money, which was that money is a struggle. And the way that I saw that was that my father worked a lot mm-hmm. and um, and I so I felt like it was a struggle. I felt like you had to work hard. You um, you even had to not like what you were doing. Right. It had to be painful. It had to be painful. And so at one point uh, after I was a banker, actually, um, I looked at my um, so I, I looked at how I created that. And I found that uh, the bottom line was that um, if I created a way for money to be a struggle, then I felt closer to my father. Ah. And that was my attachment. And that's part of the work that I will help people in the Money Summit understand and, and with a very simple exercise. And so when I found out my image, I decided to work on my own stuff around that issue. And then I felt like it gave me a sense of freedom and to know also that my father still loves me, you know, or loved me. He's not living anymore, but that, you know, he would still love me even if I was successful. And um, and then it changed things for me. That's so awesome. So it sounds like there's hope for some of us that still have a belief around money or still have some baggage or still have a story Uh, that there's a chance to come out with a different ending to our story around finance. Absolutely. You know, I think that the work that we do, um, if you take it one step at a time, because you can't go from A to Z, you have to go from A to B to C and integrate all that information and experience in order to make changes. If we don't feel it, we don't change it. So I just have to tell you that is exact. I use the exact same analogy when I talk about A to B to C because I I like I'm like are we uh, trans uh, mental mental telepathy going on here? Um, Because I think so many people want to get to Z and um, the media and society. There's so much pressure in the culture to do the skipping, and that really. If, if you just get to A to Z anyway, you don't get the opportunity of all the experiences along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's just more digestible when I just work exactly. to getting to B. Exactly. And I think because money and finance is such a challenge for people to talk about, because it really can be very intimidating that people just either do it or they put it away. And when they sweep it under the rug... You know, they avoid their relationship with money. Um, they hurt themselves. Yeah. And so it's really important to know that you can deal with this if you do one step at a time. And that's really the way to do it. You know, it's like when you're a baby and you learn how to pick yourself up and then you fall down. Well, the baby picks themselves up again and takes a step. 
Well, it's the same kind of thing. So we really need to give ourselves permission to do that. Yeah. Take it slow and be able to make mistakes. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, For you, did gender play a role in your money relationship? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Just check it. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. When I was growing up, um, you know, I have two brothers. I also have a twin sister. Mm. And um, my brothers were looked at as the valuable ones. So they were allowed to go to college. We were not. And so everything was, you know, what do the boys need? You know, the girls will be taken care of by a man. Mm-hmm. And and it's absolutely not true. Right. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I went out and I was married to a man who I supported. I mean, it's like, really. Um, so, you know, we have to take we have to look at ourselves and find what we need. And yeah, so I went back to college. I, you know, I paid for it. Undergraduate, graduate, postgraduate. Um, and, you know, I learned about money and I learned about myself. And, you know, um, it's like a sandbox to me. I like to play with it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Why should. So why should somebody really care about their relationship with money? You know, a lot of people will say money is very non-emotional. Two plus two is four. Uh, why should I care? Why do I want to dig deep? Well, I think it's important to deal with our money, our relationship with money, because we have to use it in our daily lives. Our world, you know, um, revolves around it uh, in many ways. You know, the economy, our investments, and actually our daily living, Um, especially with COVID now, which is one thing I'm going to talk about at the Money Summit. And, you know, we have to look at, you know, we want to have good financial footing and we want to find what, what are going back to financial basics? What do we need? And how do we make choices? Because truly our relationship with money comes into other areas of our lives, whether we're eating other addictions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not just about paying bills. It's about, um, looking at how we treat ourselves and how we value ourselves. And we don't want to get confused between our net worth and our self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the things you talked about is need. And a lot of people that I hear, a lot of my clients, you know, will tell me that they need the newest iPhone and that they need to have premium cable and they need to get certain things. And I... I often talk about words and the power of them because often we may want for things, we may long for things, but what's for me, it's important to get a separation of what do I truly need, like food, shelter, air, and then what are things that I want or that I think will make life better? Do you have any right. thoughts about that? Absolutely. Um, there's a Pathwork lecture called Real and False Needs, ah. and um, you can look that up at uh, Pathwork dot org i think um so when um when we have real needs uh we know what they are when we want something like okay uh i want a new kitchen floor let's say um do i really need a kitchen floor right no um so i want so whether it's me or somebody else we want to look at 
what does that mean to you? Why do you want it so much? What is it going to give to you? What does it really give to you, a kitchen floor? You know, when you think about it, um, do you really need it? Uh, You know, and so we really want to get down to the bottom line and help someone understand where the need is coming from, where the want is coming from. Yeah. And, um, And it's usually based on uh, their family history and what's acceptable. You know, you don't know where people's ideas about money comes from. It could come from uh, family, peers, uh, social media, television, um, religion. It can come from anywhere. So we're influenced by our past. Yeah, it, I, it's, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm like, I know for me, um, I grew up believing that my value was in my accomplishments. So that, uh-huh. you know, I, I did this or I got this degree and I know, you know, a lot of my friends, a lot of my clients, um, their parents wanted them to be a doctor. Their parents wanted them to be uh, this. And I remember one of my clients said to me, my parents actually, they wanted me to be happy, mm-hmm. right? Oh, what? I want you to be fulfilled. I, and so that's not the norm, I think, um, in this culture, I think. And, and I could be wrong, but I mean, do you experience that um, in terms of people you work with that that we are our accomplishments and that our our, our worth is sometimes uh, uh, figured out based on the dollars we have in our bank account? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that's changing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not either or one doesn't exclude the other. I think because of our histories. Um, If we're doing and learning something for 10 or 20 years in our lives, we get these images stuck in our heads about what we should be doing, what we should look like, how much we should have. And when we decide that we want to be conscious about our relationship with money, things begin to change. So we look at how we value ourselves and who we are. I'm not my bank account. Right. You know, I'm not the the house that I live in. I am who I am. You right. know, so you know, we we want to begin identifying ourselves by who we are and and the core of who we are and the love that we have and how we value ourselves, how we value our relationships with others yeah. and what we do within our relationships because that's really the bottom line. If we don't have the money, we have ourselves. Right. So let me ask you this. So once I get conscious of, of, of a money belief or a money emotion and I've worked through it, I never have to deal with it again, right? Wrong. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> because truthfully, I don't know if, you know, we can think that we've dealt with the whole thing, but we get triggered. And because um, the trigger really uh, comes to us on a molecular level, on a cellular level, mm-hmm. and it goes, uh-uh. and when we feel that, we need to address it. But it will never have, I shouldn't say will never, but it won't normally have the same impact it did as when we started working on our you know, relationship with money. And so we're always kind of re-looking at it you know yeah. oh, i got back into that it's like food you know you go on a diet and then you think you 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 know did it all and then oh god you know it's like an alcoholic right you know 
So we need to continue to always look at our relationship with money. I love looking at my relationship with money, even now. I mean, it's exciting to me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think, you know, there is a misnotion that or a misconception that, oh, if I if I realize that I get angry about something or something makes me very sad that once I have addressed it, it's not there. Like it like I know for me, when I'm talking to the IRS, I get frustrated and I get a little annoyed when I'm when I'm calling them because I deal with them a lot as a CPA. Um, so I find if I get one of my other staff members to talk with the IRS uh, things work out a whole lot better because right. I bring in an energy. So it doesn't mean that I get over it, but I'm aware that that often is an obstacle for me. And so then I bring in the troops for support. Yeah. And you don't, you don't have the same attachment as somebody else talking to them because you have your history and right. the person working for you doesn't have the same relationship that yeah. you did with your parents, you know, yeah. or your family. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, And I want to take it a step further that when um, a person feels like, oh, they conquered their relationship with money. But when you help somebody in their relationship with money and they're starting to make change, that's where the journey is. Yeah, that's the journey to transformation to help them address that piece, that one step that they didn't take before and what that means to them and how they can integrate it and really start relating to themselves on a whole other level where they have more control over their money because they feel more control in their relationship with it. So how can people, when they start to look at all of this and they start looking at patterns and things that they missed, um, how do they keep themselves from taking themselves out? Like the self-judgment, because I know some of my clients, myself included, love to be very uh, judgmental on, on mm-hmm. past decisions. And it seems like there needs to be some space and some um, curiosity to to hold all of that rather than the judgment. How do you hold that? So, you know, that's a whole other thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's about, it's not just about money. It's about everything because the judgment, the critic... Um, is there from very early in our years. And so once we tap into that, you know, it'll come out is how you look, what you have. The judgment comes in everything. It's not just about money. So we do it in microscopic steps. And, And we really help the person go from the critic, from the negative place to a positive place. And so there, there are different ways that we can do that. So they have to try on a new dialogue. Yeah. So we work with dialogues. And during the Money Summit, I will be working with dialogues in how we relate to money. And they'll actually be using um, a dollar bill or whatever money they have in their pockets or purse, purses. And, um, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's all in time how we feel with it. And we have to give ourselves a break. You know, we're always learning something, right? We're always learning. So we need to be patient with ourselves and, you know, and find that place in us where we can create some kind of word or anchor something in ourselves to remember that we're okay. Even nobody's perfect. You know, nobody's perfect. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What do you love to spend money on even when you know you shouldn't? 
Like me? Yeah, you personally. personally? Yeah. Furniture. Furniture. <laughs> okay. <laughs> even even like a mirror, you know? Okay. I, I just redid my office bathroom and I tried to do something with the mirror and put um uh, I forgot what it's called. So glass on it. And, but everything I used, uh, you know, uh, didn't work and I couldn't get the glue off. And anyway, so I bought a new mirror and I love it. So it looks great. Um, you know, but I also say, all right, so what is this about? You know, number one is a tax deduction. Right. Number two, it wasn't a very expensive mirror. So I'm not looking at a $500 mirror. I was looking at a $66 and 66.7 and 67 cents mirror. Good. (laughs) And and then I got $17 and change taken off because there was something on it. And, and so I used everything to my advantage. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, and you know, <laughs> I don't want to say this. I will say this. So I turned 70 last year okay. and I just bought myself, um, a chair for almost $2,500. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> this is like amazing. And I really went through a lot about it. It's, it's going to come in December and I'm going to sell my, um, recliner chair, uh, which is, probably a year old for like a hundred dollars. It's still in great shape. Um, and, but this is something that I love. It will last for 20 years or 30 yep. years. And it's something that I'm giving to myself because awesome. I can. And so I looked at my finances and, you know, part of me felt like it was impulsive, but I, I really process myself through it. And I talked to a friend about it. Um, and, you know, I just kind of breathed through it. And it took me a while to say, you know what, I'm going to do it. I didn't, tra- I didn't travel because of COVID. Right. I had this money and I deserve it. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. I love that because I think people forget that when we have this relationship with money, we're allowed to have some pleasure and yes. we're allowed to reward ourselves and we're allowed to actually receive the the benefits of the hard work we've put in. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of brings up an emotion in me because I would normally never do that. You can buy a whole living room for $2,500. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm still living with my living room from when I was in Brooklyn, uh, in <laughs> New York. And I love it. It's purple couch. And um, so, but this chair just feels really good. It's, uh, you know, as I'm getting older, you know, it just, it works in a way that is unlike the American uh, recliners. And uh, it's not so clumsy looking or big. And yeah, I, I value it and I value myself. And now it's out to everyone. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. I love that. I think that's so important. And I think as yeah. a facilitator and as a therapist, like it's so important to be a role model in saying, yeah. yeah, I go through these as well. And I come out on it with a nice, beautiful couch that uh, I've actually thought about consciously and intentionally. And, yeah. and I'm going to enjoy it for a yeah. whole long time. So that's so mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. What do you not like to spend money on? Um, clothes, clothes so much. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will buy clothes, but you know, I don't, I'm not a clothes horse. I, I mean, I have the same tops for like 15 years that I wear, you know, I'll, I'll buy a, a top in like eight colors, <laughs> you know, like this, yeah. you know, I mean, this is from Eddie Bauer, I think. And I've had it for like, I don't know, 15 years and I still love it. It's cotton. It feels comfortable. Um, you know, so yeah, I don't, I don't go crazy with clothes. That's yeah. awesome. You know, yeah. I was just thinking, as you said that you have a twin. So right. are, are you identical in your uh, financial no. beliefs? No. <laughs> You're different people. We are very, we are two individuals. We're very different, even though we're identical. We have, we look similar, but our energy is very different. I went on a different path and um, yeah. So yeah. Awesome. 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 Um, what do you want people to take away from the money summit when people come in and they join us and we're going to do a very experiential, um, a lot of information, but a lot of body. And, uh, just like you talked about, I always call it the money nerve, that little, uh, visceral, ah, ah, you know, either excitement or, uh, that we feel molecularly. Um, what do you want people to take away? Like, what are they going to get? Okay, so the most important thing for anyone to take away from the weekend is that they have a more open relationship with money. Because once you turn the key to open the door, it's all yours. And you just have to choose what path you're going to take and find out what you need to uh, to look at, what your issues are with money, whether you're hoarding monies, whether you're a spender, um, you know, whatever it is. So yeah. uh, it's about saying, you know, these are my money issues. I feel like I'm, I feel guilty when I spend money. So we look at that. Whatever it is that a person is willing to look at their relationship with money. Um, they will also come, come out of the workshops, yours and mine, um, to have a better understanding about how they operate with money, mm-hmm. what their beliefs are about money, what their fears are about money, and what, how they, like, how they want to change it from negative, negativity to positivity. And they will have tools at the end to use so that they can begin to transform their relationship with money, have a different dialogue with money. It's about having a different dialogue with themselves and their images about money. That sounds so awesome. And as you were talking, there's one thing that I was wondering, um, do boundaries play a role in our money relationship? Yes. So when we have... You know, it depends whether the boundaries are coming from other people or the boundaries within ourselves. Um, so when we think of boundaries, you know, uh, what don't we want to do? How, how do you define boundaries in relationship to money? Yeah, I th- well, it's so important. I think boundaries of being able to say, no, I don't have to give you the money that I have uh, right. but so that I can, you know, I, like I used to think, oh, if I give you my money, then um, then you'll still like me. Or, or if I have money and I don't share right. it, then I'm, I'm, um, I'm greedy or I'm not compassionate or I'm not kind. And right. so learning to be able to set a boundary and say, I'm really sorry for the situation you're in mm-hmm. and I can have empathy, 
And I'm going to hold a boundary that I don't yes. have to have your experience <clears throat> to feel good about myself. Right. You know, um, when we got money from the uh, federal government, um, I chose to uh, send people money who I know who need it. And it's really what I wanted to do. And there were a couple of people I decided not to give money to because um, I just felt like that it wouldn't help them in their yeah. own relationship with money. Um, so that's that's one boundary. Yeah. You know, if we enable people giving giving money to money, giving money to people um, and who depend on us, and we like if you're a parent and there's a child, you know, who might be in his 30s or 40s and you continue to support them, they don't really learn the lessons. Right. Right. So yeah. having certain boundaries and not giving them the money will help them. You know, they might need to fall on their face or uh, if they if they don't learn to take care of themselves, they they won't have a relationship with money. And we want to support our friends, our children, um, our parents, even. Yeah. You know, like I remember you once saying uh, there are people who um, who might come into a session yeah. and let's say we don't charge enough. Right. And we know that they spend, they have so much money and then we start to resent them. Yeah. So we have counter-transference with them. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And Absolutely. I know that, yeah, that happened to me once. And, and I realized that. So, um, because you never really know, you know, even when you think somebody is totally honest, you don't really know. You, you don't, don't know. know you don't you don't really know someone until you really know them and maybe even not then right so um we want to be aware of our own feelings about money and you know the boundaries we want to have absolutely yeah so is this a good idea or is this not a good idea absolutely and i think with yeah. that comes the willingness to have difficult conversations and be willing to stay and have those conversations and I yeah. think a lot of people want to avoid having those conversations and setting and setting clear boundaries uh, because it feels more comfortable in the moment instead of looking at the long, the bigger picture of, and being able to say, this is what works for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I, I it's it's really a very intimate process to decide what you're going to do. And it, I it has to come from your heart. Absolutely. And understanding, you know, even if you know somebody has a lot of, or they don't, you don't like how they use their money and how they spend their money. But if you can go beyond that and feel like, you know what, this person really will benefit from my giving them money. Yeah. Then, I, then I'll do it. And I've done that. And awesome. I let it go freely freely yeah. it has to be freely and not count how they use their money absolutely so um you know uh so they're all lessons they're all, they're lessons. all lessons what yeah. what would the be what would be your final piece of advice to somebody out there that's thinking about should i take the plunge and start this relationship with money should i start looking at it um what would you say to people 
So I would say, absolutely look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely look at it because it doesn't have to be misery. You know, this can also, you want to integrate who you are in your relationship with money. You're not all misery. You're fun. You're, you know, animated. You're who you are. So let's bring who you are into your relationship with money. And so it's not all bad or good. Nothing in life has to be all bad or good. Right. So, you know, there's always a balance. Find the balance. You know, so it's, and and we don't want to get overwhelmed. That's why it's important to go from A to B to C, you know, to take a look at one thing at a time. Because truthfully, when we work with people on whatever level, we have to start where they are, you know? Absolutely. So if there are people who keep all their bills in a drawer and they're terrified of looking at their bank statement, maybe it's about helping them get the courage to look at what that bank statement means. Maybe they won't look at the bank statement for a month, you know, until you work through the fear of opening that draw. Absolutely. So Absolutely. we don't want to take them someplace they're not ready to go because Absolutely. the person's, yeah. So a Absolutely. person's not going to get there until they're ready to take that step. Until they're ready. That's yeah. right. We'll take one step at a time. Where can people find you on social media, Judith? Okay, so I have a website called moneyandandempowerment.com. And uh, the guy who's updating my website, I don't think he finished it because he was in the fires in Uh California. Um, But you can take a look. I also have uh, judithgrubertherapy.com. Uh, I have Facebook, but it's pretty open to um, just my friends. Yeah. But my website is good. They can Google me um, and they can email me at uh, Judith at money and empowerment dot com or Judith. I think it's Judith Gruber therapy dot com. Uh, Judith at, you know, I don't even remember. I have so I have three emails. <laughs> Oh, social media. I know. I know. I know. I'm I'm pretty uh, far away from that. <laughs> That's all right. You've got a website. We'll Google you. Um, Judith, it's been so great. And I just want to say to our listeners, don't forget to share the love. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you prefer, you can watch our episodes on YouTube. Head over and subscribe to our channel. You can also check out the Money Summit at coreenergetics.org, where Judith and I will be October 23rd through the 25th. So sign up now. It's going to be an awesome, awesome summit. And we're going to explore a whole lot of stuff around money and a whole lot of stuff around emotions and bringing it all together. Thank you again, Judith. It's been awesome. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Bob. 